Okay, so today we are going to start a brand new series. We have been uh, in a series about giving, and now we're shifting gears because it is Christmas time, okay? Um, And so I want to take the next uh, few weeks until uh, the first of the year to spend a time in a new series that I'm calling Redemption Season. Everybody say Redemption Season. All right, come on, say it more boldly. Say Redemption Season. All right, so, you know, it is Christmas season, and I don't want to push that aside because this is all about the story of the, of the birth of Jesus, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, the story of the birth of Jesus is a story of redemption, right? Amen? Come on. We celebrate the Christmas season, the Christmas time, and it's a redemption, it's all about the redeeming power of God, the redeeming grace of our Savior, hallelujah, that he sent the Redeemer into the earth for us. <laughs> hallelujah. Come on. And for each and every one of us. And so uh, redemption season, and, and I believe that. I believe that uh, we are walking into a as we are in the Christmas season, we're literally in a season where God is redeeming things. Amen. As we're celebrating the redemption time, a redemption season, God is going to redeem things for us. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen to that. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Let me hear you. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited about what the Lord is doing in the earth right now? Come on, something happened significant. Something significant is happening in the earth right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Maybe 2024 is the year of the of significance. Yeah, I don't know what, but I, I, I don't know, y'all. We, that's, that word is just keeps coming to me. Come on now. Hallelujah. All right, so let's jump right into the word. Uh, go with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. There's going to be quite a bit of scripture, so I just need you to kind of hang tight, follow along. If you want to follow on the screen, you can follow that way. Uh, but Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 5. We're going to read verse 19. References here on the screen. I know it's kind of small, but uh, we're going to read verses 5 through 19, and then we're going to jump down to verse 57 and 58, okay? Uh, So Luke chapter 1. Now, this is the longest, okay? If you didn't know, Luke chapter 1 is the longest book in the New Testament, the longest book in all of the Gospels. And uh, Luke is the most detail-oriented he likes to talk, okay, probably. Um, and so he's got a lot of words, okay. And so his, his log and his story of the birth of Jesus and the beginning of that whole process is quite, is quite long. So, all right, uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says this. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. Next verse. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. In other words, they they were older. All right. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Next. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right 
of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. Next. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Woo, come on, that's good right there. Hallelujah. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Hallelujah. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, he was smart for, for not saying that she was old, too. <laughs> you catch that there? He said, I'm old. My wife is well along in years. And he, was just, he was careful with what he said. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to tell you this good news. Now, I think this is uh, uh, verse 57 and 58. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of this message today is Blameless and Barren. Blameless and barren. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you, Father God, for what you're going to do in this place, for what you've already began. But Lord, we thank you, Father, that as we dive into your word deeper, and as we explore this text today, Father, I thank you, God. Lord, that great and mighty things are in store for us today. I thank you, Father God. Lord, that you're in these next few moments, you're going to begin to show up and show out real big. We thank you, Father, for your word this morning. We receive it now, and we take it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen blameless and barren. Now it said when we first started in verse 5, it said that these were the days of King Herod. Okay. Now if you know anything about Herod, he was very evil, tyrannical leader. Okay. It was some of the darkest days in history of God's people under King Herod, under his, his leadership. He was so evil, he had probably eight or nine, or nine, whatever it was, wives that the Bible talks about. One of which, out of his anger, he just murdered. He just was an evil guy, an evil leader. But Luke, in Luke chapter 1, identifies that it is dark days. He says, in the days of, of Herod, dark days, right? But he focuses on this family 
who is faithfully living for God in dark days. You see, Luke focused on something that we have to understand today. How many of you know we're living in some dark times? We're living when some things are a little dark, some things are uncertain, some things are maybe you could say a little scary at times, okay? You look at what's happening in the world all around us, you look at the political realm, uh, all of the things. It, it's, it's, we're living in some dark days. But I think that we can take the same principle that Luke was trying to imply in Luke chapter 1 and imply it to us today. That while darkness may be surrounding us, we recognize that we are not children of darkness. Come on, somebody say amen. We are not children of darkness. Although there are troubling days, we are not those who are troubled. Come on, somebody say amen. We are not those that are troubled. Hallelujah. And while it looks like the enemy is winning at times, I want to remind you that God is not surprised, he is not shocked, and he is not taken off guard. So while days seem dark, you are children of the light. Come on, somebody say amen. Say, I am, I am a child of the light. And he is raising up a faithful people that have the power to shift atmospheres and cultures. Come on. He is raising those kind of people up today. Much like we see with Zechariah, in the midst of dark days, there are still some faithful people that God is going to raise up in this hour, in this season. Come on, if that's you, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you this morning that God is about to give birth to something, but he's going to give birth to it through you. Don't worry about other people. He's going to birth something through you. Tell your neighbor, this is birthing time. Come on, look at him and tell him, this is birthing time. Hallelujah. This is birthing time. What? It's birthing time. <laughs> people who feel empty. People feel like they have no power feel like they have no purpose, feel barren, I declare today that hopelessness is broken. And moreover, barrenness, spiritually speaking, barrenness is broken today. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. There's a shift that is happening in the atmosphere, a birthing that is about to come that will transform a generation, and God is going to do it through you. Come on, God is going to do it through you. Come on, somebody say, God's going to do it through me. And what God is doing, let me tell you, behind the scenes of your life. Whew, I feel this so strong right now. What God is doing behind the scenes in your life right now is so powerful and so potent that all of hell is nervous and shaking when it thinks about you. My God. All hell's getting nervous about you. You're, you're about to walk into this new year and hell is trembling at, the, at, at just your name. 
Hell is trembling at what you, what you are believing for and what you are standing for and what you're standing in. All of hell is getting nervous about you because you're about to experience exactly what God said that you will experience. You've been experiencing this past week, but God says watch what's about to happen in these next few weeks. Hallelujah. Because this is the redemption season of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's bigger than you. It's beyond you. And it's about the greatness of our God. Hear me. When the word gets in your spiritual womb, and it, the, that word, when it gets in your spiritual womb, and it links arms with your faith, it's going to produce supernatural things that will confound the wise. Well, that's what the word of God says. God is going to do something in your spiritual womb that's going to link with your faith, that the faith that you have to believe, the faith that you have to stand, the faith that you have to fight. Come on. And God is going to produce something miraculous out of it, and it's so supernatural that you can't even fathom it. Come on. Who am I speaking to this morning? Is there anybody? Hallelujah. So Zechariah. When you define what his name means, it's translated to this. Yah, who's Yahweh, Yah has remembered. That's what Zechariah means. Yah has remembered. It says in verse 6 that he and Elizabeth were blameless. Now, it's important to understand that blameless does not mean perfect. They were not perfect people. They were blameless. It means that the enemy, come on, everything that the enemy could use to charge them was supernaturally removed. They were blameless. Come on, they were not perfect. They made some mistakes. They were sinners just as you and I. But they were not perfect people, but they were blameless. So whatever the enemy tried to put at them and label them with, it was supernaturally removed by the power of God. Listen, church, you may not be perfect, but because of the blood of Jesus, you are blameless. Come on, somebody should have shouted right there. I know you are not perfect, but because of the blood of Jesus and his blood applied upon you and your sin and your life, hallelujah, you are blameless. In other words, anything that the enemy tries to do to put you in the courts, come on, is being upheld by the courts of heaven. It's being upheld right now. And the righteous judge, our king and our savior, is saying, whatever you're trying to say about them, it is null and void. You can't do it. You can't have them. It doesn't work. That's not attached to their name. They are blameless in my sight. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout amen. I don't know if I'm the only one that's excited this morning, but I believe that there is such a redemptive power here today that God is activating within us. Come on, redemption that's happening in our homes in the name of Jesus. Redemption's happening, come on, in our finances. Hallelujah, we've already been seeing it happen. Redemption in every area of our lives. It's happening right now. It's beginning to take place right now. In the name of Jesus. You just watch what happens between now and the 1st of January. You just watch what happens. 
Come on, I'm telling you, you just watch what happens. Come on, and I'm, I'm not saying this to make you feel good and to pump you up and to get a shout out of your belly. I'm not trying to do that today. I'm saying this because I believe it's true. Come on, and my God is not a God that he lies. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You are blameless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is what makes us blameless. Right? It's the blood that washes over us. It's the blood that that is cleansed. It's the blood that is applied. Come on, you ought to be applying the blood. Don't forget about applying the blood now. Applying the blood ain't for ain't for a saying that we said back in the 80s and 90s in churches. Oh, apply the blood. No, no. Apply the blood still works today. You have got to apply the blood over your household, over your family, over your situation. Come on. It is the blood that makes way for you. Hallelujah. And it is the blood that makes you blameless. The blood. The blood. Now, it's all great. God says, you are blameless. But then in verse 7, the whole ball game changes. Everything, everything shifts into a whole nother perspective, to a whole nother thing. It says in verse 7, now in verse 6 it says that, she, that, that they were blameless. But then immediately into verse 7, it then says that they couldn't have any children, they couldn't conceive, and that they were barren. Which leads me to ask this question. What do you do when you're blameless, but you're still barren? What do you do when the blood has been applied, but yet you're still dealing with the situation? What do you do when you're blameless, yet barren? It would be one thing if it was clear in the scripture, that the reason why she was barren is because of mistakes or sin or a mess or a situation in their life. But not one place and one trace in the word does it say that this was the reason why. It just says that she was barren. She was blameless, but she was barren. You know, it bothers me sometimes when people who love Jesus with all their heart go through situations they can't understand. It hurts. It bothers. It might not even have anything to do with me, but when you know someone who loves the Lord with all their heart and serves Him diligently and pursues after the heart of the Father and they go through something that is so, you can't even understand why in the world is that happening? Why in the world is that even being allowed? Why, why, is, that, why is that situation even present in their life right now? But I made up my mind a long time ago, that while I don't understand, I refuse to change my opinion of who he is. I, while I don't understand why people go through certain situations and why I don't understand why I've had to go through certain situations, I made up my mind long ago that whatever is going on, it will not change or alter my opinion of who my God is. Hallelujah. The blood still works. Jesus still saves. God still redeems. And he is still the Lord of my life. So while I don't understand... At times, 
that the blameless can still be barren. I made up my mind that while I'm barren, I'm still going to praise him. While I'm barren, I'm still going to worship him. (laughs) Come on. While I'm barren, I'm still going to give him all of my praise and all of my worship. While I'm barren, I'm still going to lift up a sound to heaven. While I'm barren, even though I don't like it, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't want to do it, I'm still going to rejoice and be glad. Because my worship to him is not predicated on what he does for me. My praise to him is about who he is and what he's done. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I don't praise him because of what he does for me. That's not why I praise him. I praise him for who he is. God, I thank you that you redeemed me. But I'm praising you because you are my redeemer. God, I thank you that you healed me, but I'm not thanking you for what you did for me. I'm thanking you and I'm praising you because you are the healer. Come on, this is a different perspective, but that's the way it should be. So what do you do when you're blameless, yet you're barren? If you're taking notes, I've got two things that I want to give you this morning. Two, not three. It's a Christmas miracle. Number one, you can put it on the screen. It's what you do when you're blameless yet barren. You keep on burning. You keep on burning. Hallelujah. This is something that Zechariah understood. And it's something that we have got to implement in our lives today as well. That in seasons, in moments, and in situations of barrenness, I'm going to keep on burning. I'm going to keep my fire lit. I want you to watch what happens in the scripture. Verse 6 says they were blameless. Verse 7 says they couldn't conceive and that they were barren. But when you go down into verses 9 and 10, you see that Zechariah still went into the temple. What did he go into the temple to do? To burn incense. His only responsibility was to burn incense. And you got to learn to burn even though you don't get what you want. In the midst of a barren season, in the midst of an uncertain time, he still was chosen to go and burn for the Lord. So hear me. It's one thing to praise him when you have the answer. But it's another thing to praise him when you don't know what's going to happen next. (laughs) He did not know. He did not have the answer. Zechariah did not know what God was about to do next. But he still chose to enter into the temple and burn the incense and put the fire and the incense upon the coals of the altar. 
Come on. And God is looking for us to do that in the midst of our situations, in the midst of our barren times and our barren seasons. He says, in the midst of everything, can you still keep the coals burning? Though he slay me, still I will trust him. You know, there's nothing like the pinnacle of your victory, the pinnacle of your joy, you know, the pinnacle of your breakthrough. But the greatest moments of my life were not mountaintop moments. The greatest moments of my life were not mountaintop moments. We're not successful times or big accomplishments, but rather the nights that tears rolled down my eyes. The nights where I struggled. The nights where I cried myself to sleep. The nights where I struggled so much. The days just about two years ago, when we couldn't even lift our head off the sofa or out of the bed. I'm thankful for the mountaintop moments, but I'm more grateful for the times when I didn't have the answer. I'm more grateful for the times when I didn't have the words, but I had the tears. I'm grateful for those moments. Hallelujah. The nights when hell was yelling in my ear. But instead of quitting and instead of stopping, come on somebody, I felt the strength of a faithful God who held up my hands while I was still barren. Hallelujah. Come on, we serve a faithful God that even in the most darkest nights, in the most darkest seasons, in the most darkest times, he will still lift up our heads and lift up our countenance and lift up our arms because he is a faithful God in that way. I know he's faithful on the mountain, but has he ever been faithful to you in the valley? Hallelujah. And, and I know he was faithful to you in the valley because the only way you got out of the valley was by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the forgiving power and redemption of God. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody shout amen this morning. Zechariah was not the priest who swept off the coals on the altar. That was someone else's job. As a matter of fact, Zechariah was not the priest who brought in the new coals to the altar. That was another priest's job. Zechariah's one job was to bring the incense, to light it, and place it on the coals. Watch this. While the incense was burning on the inside, do you remember what was happening on the outside? What does your Bible say? That while Zechariah lit the coals on the inside, something was happening on the outside. They were praying. <laughs> Somebody was praying even though he couldn't see them praying. Whew. 
<laughs> Somebody was going to, going to the courts of heaven, hallelujah, come on, and praying and going before the Father, even though they couldn't see Zechariah and Zechariah couldn't see them. Zechariah had one responsibility to go light the coals of the altar again. And while he was lighting his fire, come on somebody, there were some people that were praying on the outside. Hallelujah, come on. I don't know what they were praying for, but I'm sure they were praying, God, when he comes out, let there be an answer. Woo, what does that go to tell me? Somebody's in your corner praying for you right now. Oh, my God. When you feel like nobody is standing with you, nobody is fighting with you, nobody is praying on your behalf, nobody is cheering you on, you need to know that outside of the courts, you can't see them, you won't even hear them as a matter of fact, but somebody is lifting you up. Somebody cares enough about you to pray for you. Woo! I'm preaching better than what y'all are talking back at me. My God. Zechariah understood, I got to keep on burning. I got to keep this thing lit. I got to keep the fire going. Because if I don't have it, when I walk out of this place and the people say, what happened? I got to have an answer. I got to have an answer. So number one, what you do while you're blameless yet barren is you keep on burning. But number two is this. You got to keep on waiting. You got to wait on him. Wait on him. I know you don't want to wait. But you must. I know you don't like to wait. But sorry folks, you have to. You wait. And you wait. And you wait. So the people while they were praying. They began to say to one another. Where is Zechariah? He should have went in there and lit the coals and came right out and said, God has answered the prayers of the people. So that's how it worked. But instead, as they were praying, they grew weary and they began to ask one another, where is Zechariah? Wasn't he, wasn't he supposed to come out by now? Wasn't he supposed to come make his announcement by now? Little did they know that God had already answered the prayer. They kept praying and they kept waiting even though God had secretly already answered the prayer. <laughs> Woo! But there's a problem. Where's the priest? Where's Zechariah? Zechariah stayed in there so long that they became uneasy and they started asking questions. You see, sometimes God has to make you wait. Because while the wait is uncomfortable, you'll turn around and realize that what he did for you was worth the wait. Woo! I don't like the wait, but God, now I can look back and thank you for the waiting season, for the waiting time. Because while I was waiting, you were working. Woo! While I was wondering, while I was questioning, while I was concerned, while I didn't know if you were going to show up with the answer, come on, you were working on my behalf, 
and you are working all things for my good. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you the wait, the wait is worth it. It may be days. It may be years. It may be hours. I don't know how long. But the wait, let me tell you, will be worth it. It will be worth it. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. See, sometimes God will bless you with an instant microwave answer. Can I tell you something? For all the popcorn lovers out there, there is a significant difference. Significant. There is a significant difference between your 40 or whatever 60-second instant poppable microwave popcorn than actually going to the movie theater and having movie theater popcorn. It looks different. It smells different. And although I'm not a popcorn lover and I don't like popcorn, I can tell you, I've tried both and it tastes different. There is something better about the, the real deal than the instant deal. Okay? Come on, somebody. Because how many of you know that the good stuff takes a little extra time? <laughs> and this is why you've got to understand that his delay is never his denial. His delay is never his denial. And just because you have to wait doesn't mean that God is not going to provide the answer. He's going to provide the answer. He's going to meet you with everything that you need, exactly where you are, at the right place, the right time, the right season. Hallelujah. There is an anointing and a grace that is over it, and it's an appropriate thing in an appropriate time. But sometimes you got to wait for it. Sometimes you got to wait for it. There is a big difference going to the freezer section and getting frozen vegetables and boiling them or putting them in the microwave until they're cooked. It tastes way different than getting fresh vegetables and cooking and eating them. There is a big difference between a frozen corn on the cob and a delicious Juicy, buttery, peppery corn on the cob from Hofbrau Steakhouse. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? There's a big difference. But, but so many times, we want the instant answer. We want the most convenient answer. How can I get it right here, right now? And God says, I know it may be a substitute. I know there may be an alternative. I know it's still corn. But the better thing is to wait on the real deal. Hallelujah. He's in there. Zechariah in the temple. I want you to remind yourself of this. While Zechariah is still in the temple, Elizabeth is still barren. While he's still burning, she's still barren. While he's burning, he's waiting. And in the midst of the waiting, an angel shows up. Gabriel. Shows up. And and makes itself present before Zechariah. 
Now, all throughout the word, anytime an angel showed up, we see that somebody freaked out. They can't handle it because of all the glory. I mean, it, it's just, I mean, it, it takes you right down to your knees. You can't even talk, can't even speak. Think about what it's going to be like when we see Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Man can't even talk when they, when they experience an angel. Think about when they see Jesus face to face. Oh, my God. But here, Zechariah is, and in the midst of the waiting, an angel appears, and Zechariah freaks out. You see, church, we're living in a moment of time when we need unprecedented, unpredictable outpourings of the supernatural power of God. We need angelic hosts showing up in our services again. I remember when I was little, and people would say, look at the angels all around the sanctuary. Can I tell you, those days are not over, folks. Those days are not behind us. Hallelujah. God wants to show up, and God wants to do some supernatural things. Come on. And he wants to make known his glory, and he wants to make known his presence. Hallelujah. Come on. And he wants to do it in our services again. He wants to do it in our homes again. Hallelujah. He wants to get us to a place that in the middle of worship, all of a sudden we fall on our knees because the angels of heavenly hosts have appeared. Hallelujah. And all we can sing is holy. Holy, 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 glory, glory, glory. So, although Zechariah was barren and he's waiting, the angel sent by God still chooses to appear to him. And he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He says, much like we're, we're going to experience in a couple days, there's some good news. Let me tell you, there's some good news just for you. And he tells Zechariah, even in your old age, I'm still going to give you a child. And I'm not going to just give you a child that's a normal, average Joe. But I'm going to give you a child that's going to change and transform people's lives. I'm going to give you John. Little did Zachariah know how significant that really was. That he and his wife, Elizabeth, would be giving birth to someone that would help in the shifting of cultures, in the transformation of people's lives. I want to tell you, God wants to show up in miraculous ways in the middle of your waiting. Let me rephrase it. God is beginning to show up in the, in the miraculous way in the midst of your waiting. Woo! While you're awaiting, God is doing something. And it's going to be miraculous.
Zechariah was old. And nowhere does it mention that him and Elizabeth were actually praying and believing for a child. I want you to watch, catch this real quick. They could have been married now for 50, 60, 100, 200 years. I don't know. And God shows up in this season of his life, in a redemptive season, when the Savior of the world is about to show up and redeem all of mankind, God shows up to Zechariah and says, remember the prayers that you prayed a hundred years ago when you were 13 years old, when you were 15 years old, when you were 17 years old and you and Elizabeth could not conceive? He says, I'm circling back around. You've waited long enough. And the prayers that you even stopped praying a hundred years ago, I never forgot. <laughs> they never slipped my mind. And I'm going to answer the thing that you always wanted, but you stopped standing for. I'm going to answer the thing that kept you down even though you forgot. And God is saying to his people today, I remember your prayers. I didn't just hear and remember the ones from this past week, but I'm going all the way back. And the things that you believed for 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. I'm answering those prayers today. You gave up and you got comfortable in your barrenness. But, but little did you forget that you were still blameless. Oh, Jesus. I don't know who this is for today. This is for somebody in the room, somebody listening to this podcast later on. You've been barren. You've been barren. Maybe you've been barren for a week. Maybe you've been barren for many years. And God is saying, Whew, I feel this so strong. God is saying, because of my blood applied that makes way for you, this is your time. And this is your season for full redemption. <laughs> Stand to your feet with me. Oh,
one. I'm going to need some people to believe even though you feel barren. I'm going to need some people to light some fires in some things again even though you feel barren. I'm going to need some people to learn and to say, God, I will wait on you even while I am still barren. God is doing it right now. He's performing miracles on your behalf right now. Right now. Right now. Look no further, says the Lord. I am here to meet that need right now. Look no further, says the Lord. Hallelujah. But today is your day to give birth to the thing that has kept you barren for so long. Don't leave me alone to do this, church. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Oh, 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 come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, sometimes you got to stir your own self up. See, sometimes you got to be like Zechariah. And even though you don't get it, even though you don't like it, I'm still going to go and ignite the coals. Woo! I'm still going to go and ignite the coals. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. See, come on, I sense some confidence already. Come on, I sense some things that are changing and shifting already. I'm not having to do nothing. I don't need to lay my hands on you. God is doing a work even right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, my soul. 
Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, just put put your hands like this. Someone's going to give you something. Come on. Just put your hands out like this. Come on, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here it comes. Yeah. Ooh, the Lord says, receive it. I'm placing it in your hands right now. Receive. Receive it now. Hallelujah. Receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it now. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Come on, church, don't you stop. Touch and agree. He's placing it in your hands right now. Right now. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, you're so good. 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 Come on, just allow the Lord to continue to move.
praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. God, you are so good. You are so great today, Father. We just praise you. We lift you up. God, we glorify you. We thank you that this is our redemption season. Come on, I want you to declare that right now. Say, this is my redemption season. This is where God is redeeming everything for me. Hallelujah. This is my time. This is my time. This is my season. We thank you for it, Father. 
You're so good, God. We glorify you and lift you up today, Father. Exalt you today, Lord. Hallelujah. You can take it down, yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, as we depart from here this morning, God, we thank you, Father God, that we are walking out of here a redeemed people. We are walking out of here, Father God, full of faith and full of victory today. And we just thank you, Lord, for it. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, the best is yet to come, ain't it?